This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning. A little uh, DC talk from a few years ago. Bless all of you. Gives you an idea where we're going. And again, today you may have the thought, surely he's not going to talk about that here today. Surely he is. And so the issue here is we've got to understand this. God's the one who created every one of us. And I don't know about you, but I want the thoughts of God in this area. And I, I don't want MTV to ch- uh, teach my children. I don't want the workplace. I don't want uh, TV at all to teach our children the things of, of sex with what God says. So you're going to get a biblical perspective today. And I believe it will really help us. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand and get your hand up real high and we'll get you the Word of God. I'm going to go to the book of John, chapter 8. Then we'll go to the back of the Bible to 1 John 2. Uh, I'm going to go through a lot, a lot of Scripture today because I want you to see what the Bible has to say pertaining to this. And so again, just some of the thoughts that have come up to me here as Jesus himself said in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, he said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, that's Old Testament, Pastor. I realize that's Old Testament, but it's still one of the Ten Commandments. Some of the statistics I've seen lately to help us on this, that it says that 65% of all married men, and I said 65, will commit adultery. Unbelievable. Six and a half out of every ten. The women's side, it's 55%. And the women's, it's a little different because... A lot of times with women, it becomes an emotional affair instead of a physical affair. But most psychologists believe this, that it's far more dangerous emotionally than it is physically. Because physically, you give them a part of your body, where emotionally, you give them a part of your heart. And so we've witnessed that. I've seen that numerous times. Now, the reason I'm even going to talk about it today is because... Uh, between the age of 8 and 16-year-old boys. Now get this. 8 to 16-year-old boys. 90% of them have seen some form of pornography already. Oh, no, 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 not little Johnny. He wouldn't do that. Yeah, little Johnny, okay. He's seen that stuff because it's so uh, attainable now in our society. So again, I don't know about you, But I want God's thoughts on this. I want to see what the B-I-B-L-E says. So we begin this morning in the book of John, chapter 8, verse number 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word. I got a whole fast to that right there. If you abide in my word. The word abide there has the meaning of if you live by my word. If you stay in my word. If you make your life about my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now understand this right now. Truth doesn't make you free. He said, when you know the truth. So again today, what is critical is one, how well do I abide in the word of God? And number two, do I know the word of God? And so we're going to be taught the scriptures today. Now, what you do with the Word of God, that's up to you, okay? But we're going to get the Word of God. Now, go back to the back of the Bible there to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. If you've gone to Revelations, you've gone too far. 1 John chapter 2. And speaking of Revelations, 
I don't know if it took a rocket scientist for you to figure out, but we're still here today. That's pertaining. There was a lot that we're saying. We're going to be out of here yesterday, but we're still here today. Let me give you a little thought on that. No man knows. Jesus said that. No man knows the day or the hour. Jesus said he doesn't even know that day. So when people start predicting Jesus is coming back today, don't be deceived, okay? No one knows that hour, and so the key is this. I live for Jesus every day. Just keep living for him. Don't look to the stars. Look to the very one who created the stars. In other words, don't look to astrology. Look to Jesus. Now, we begin in 1 John 2. That was free. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, well, how would we define the world? The world would be this definition right here. The evil operating in, under, in our world under the influence of the devil. So when you see the word, understand this. There's a, there's a pull on us toward the world right now. And it's getting stronger and it's getting stronger and stronger. Okay, And he specifically said, don't let the world suck you in. 1 John 4.4 4 says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, the God of this age has blinded the eyes of, of believers. And so again, it's, it's the evil in our world that's operating under the dominion of Satan. Now, what would that look at look like? Verse 16. For all that is in the world, or all that is in this world, is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, when we see the word lust there, it means a craving, a desire, an eager desire. So he said, the lust of my flesh... The appetites of my flesh, and then the lust of my eyes. Now, this is going to be very big today, okay? This is one of going to be one of the, the main things we focus on because right there, when it says the lust of the eyes, it tells me that my eyes have the ability or the power to begin to look on things in a lustful way. That will begin to pull me in that direction. Verse number 17. And the world is passing away, and even the lust of it, the craving of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. He who does the will of God. Now think about that word does right there. He who actually does. He who obeys the word of God. He who lives in the word of God will live forever. So right here we get a challenge. Am I going to base my life, how about this, am I going to base every venue of my life on the Word of God? It's important that we see this today. Let the, let the Bible teach us. Now, go back to Matthew chapter 5, back to your left. And we're going to get into to some of Jesus' own words pertaining to this. As you're turning to Matthew 5, oftentimes as, as human beings... We have this thing. You know what? I can overcome anything by my willpower. I can overcome things by my own talents. I'm, I'm a strong personality. But in, in uh, John 8 verse 36 it says, Whom the Son sets free 
is free indeed. So this has been the title of our, our, our subjects for the last couple months here. Jesus wants to set us free. Now, I'm not preaching condemnation, okay? I believe God wants to help us, even in this area. Now, pay close attention to Jesus' words. Matthew 5, verse 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Now, it's interesting to me right here that Jesus himself, he quoted the one ten commandment there in Exodus 20, verse 14. Jesus said, don't commit adultery. Don't commit sexual sin. Verse 28. Watch closely here. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman, whoever looks at a man, now think about this right where he said immediately, he goes to the eyes, the power and the ability of my eyes. Whoever looks at a woman, and look what his very next statement is, to lust for her. An eager craving, a desire that begins to pull me in a direction that I don't want to go. Now, when I get over and look at the lust of the eyes, that's exactly what happened to King David. And don't think we're exempt. One of the greatest men in the Bible because of his eyes. He began to lust for a woman named Bathsheba. And, and this is what ultimately happened. He fell into this one stinking little innocent step. Led to a life of a lot of pain. Do not lust for her. He's already committed adultery with her in his heart. So what happens is I begin to look, and when I begin to look, I begin to lust. And when I lust, I fall into an area called sin. Now when we read what Jesus said right there, just for me to begin to look, what happens? By my eyes and my looking, it begins to paint a picture in my mind. And literally right here, Jesus called this literally Mental adultery is what it said. That I can get over and sin just because the images that begin to take place in my mind. And so we begin to feed our, 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 our spirits. We begin to feed our heart over and over by the things we start looking at. Now we live in a sexually saturated society. And because of what's happened within our society... People will have this thought, well, you know what? We live in a different era. We live in a different time. Things aren't like they used to be. So what we're saying here is, let's lower the standards. Let's water down God's Ten Commandments. Because you know what? Things are a little different now than they were 30, 40 years ago. See, we don't live in this leave it to beaver world anymore. So when I look at this, if we compared it to the rest of the Ten Commandments, let's just water down murder. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Eh, murder's not what it used to be. And you know, the other side of that, everybody's doing it, so it's okay. But in the book of Job, chapter 31, verse 1, Job said this. He said, I make a covenant with my eyes, 
not to look or to gaze upon a woman. So Job goes way, way back into history, way before Leave it to Beaver was ever on TV. And Job said, I got a problem with my eyes. And I believe because of the society we live in nowadays, it's so easy to get caught up in that. I mean, if you flip on TV, you can be watching the, the football game and there'll be a commercial about something. I mean, and on your computer, something will pop up like this, just like this. And so literally, this is a warning that I got to guard my eyes. Especially if you've ever opened the door to that. And so if there are things that pull you in that cause your eyes to begin to lust, then I've opened the door to something that I really don't want to step through. And so he goes on to say this, back in verse 28, But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. But pastor, everybody's doing it. And if I make a stand and say I'm not going in that direction, well, I'll be viewed as weird. I'll be viewed as a Jesus freak. But understand again, the majority doesn't make it right. Hollywood will tell you it's okay. Not in God's eyes, it's not okay. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he said there's two roads. One is a narrow road, and it's the road that leads to life, but it's very difficult And only a few are on it. But then he described another road and he said, wide is the road that leads to destruction, but there are many upon it. And so just because the majority of people think this is okay, it's not okay. Now when I look at verse number 27 and 28, here's another thought for you. Is the way you dress, is it trying to draw attention for people to look at you and lust for you? Because if it is, you've got an issue too. That God doesn't want you to walk around like that way, All right, Skin isn't in, in God's eyes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. Cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Strong words right there. So you know what a lot of people would say in our society? I'm born again. I've confessed Jesus as Lord of my life. I'm (laughs) heaven bound. Well, you know what? When I read what he says right here, he tells me that because of the actions of my eyes, I risk the opportunity to go to hell. Verse 30. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish from you than your whole body to be cast into hell. So again, in Jesus' eyes, this is a big deal. He didn't say, let's water it down and say, you know what, boys will be boys. Understand, for me to live by the kingdom of God and God's ways, I'm going to face opposition. I don't care how old you are or young you are, you're going to face opposition. Now, when we read into what Jesus said, I'm not going to have the ushers come down with a machete today, okay? 
We're not going to say, listen, you want to cut that right arm off. And we're not going to have a big old hook to pluck your eyeball out. But yet Jesus' analogies here were very strong, correct? He's saying because of your actions and your behavior, you're going to get into something you may not want. So what was Jesus telling us? He's literally telling me this right here. That it may be painful to remove certain things from your life that are causing you to get into sin. But it would be far more better for you than to remove that than to go to hell. Whoa, pastor, that's a heavy dose. Again, let's let the word of God ditch us. And I believe Jesus wants to help us and Jesus wants to set us free. So go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians 6. As you're turning to 1 Corinthians 6, I'm going to throw another verse at you. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is death. So don't get caught up with the fact everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Ooh, it's a scary way to live right now. And, and, and when you watch TV, a lot of times that's the way it will look. Everybody's doing it. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. He who is united with the Lord, he becomes one with the Lord. How do I become united with Jesus? I give him my heart. Now, think about the wording right there. It's as if we get married to Jesus. So when you get born again, you're actually saying, Lord Jesus, I'm married to you. I am literally married to Jesus. Verse 18. Apostle Paul speaking. Flee sexual immorality. Flee, flee, flee. That word flee means to run from, to shun, to get away from it. Flee sexual immorality. If you don't get anything today, get that word there. Flee anything that causes me to get into sexual immorality. To help you a little more, run, forest, run. Flee. Don't entertain it. Don't flirt with it. Flee from it. For every sin that a man does outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Well, pastor, I wouldn't call it sin. I'm in an affair. You're not in an affair. You're in sin in God's eyes, okay? And it's interesting that he specifically says... You commit a sin against your own body. So the Apostle Paul is, he's, Apostle Paul is telling us that sexual sin goes to a whole other level. A whole other level that other sin does never go to. Verse, 18, or verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Remember, you got married to Jesus. For you were bought at a price. There was an incredible cost for me and you. An incredible price. Jesus. 
Therefore glorify God or honor God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. And so what we begin to see here is when we get into the, the temptation of sexual immorality, we ultimately make poor choices in weak moments. What do I mean by that? We get too close to the opportunity. Romans 13, 14 says, Make no provisions for the flesh and the lust of it. So if I look what the Apostle Paul said, flee. Flee. Get away from it. Whatever cost, get away from it. But see, our society, we have this thought, well, just how close can I get to it without it actually being sin? How far can I go without it being sin? What can I get away with without it being sin? Here's your little bitty analogy that will help you today. How close to a rattlesnake do you want to get without getting bitten? Again, I don't want to get close to one. I don't want to get near it. So the apostle Paul says, flee. Flee, flee, flee. Now go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Just a little bit there to your right, and you're going to come into Ephesians. I'm going to give you another thought of the Apostle Paul here, and this is incredible. These things will really help us if we'll say, you know what? I'm going to listen to the Word of God today. I'm going to be New Testament taught today. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. The word imitator means to copy. To follow. Follow the example of God. Be imitators of God. Now here's your little inside look at that. If all salvation was was a one-time prayer, and I'm not downplaying salvation, but if I look and say, you know what, I've given my heart to Jesus, I'm in. Then why did he tell us to be imitators of God? Why would it even matter? So right here, the Apostle Paul, he clues us in. We are to be imitators of God, verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us in an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet selling aroma. So on that verse alone, he's telling us, be a witness and learn to worship. But verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness let it not even be named among you as fitting for the saints. So when I look at fornication and uncleanliness, fornication is sexual immorality. Uncleanness has to do with lust. And what did he say about it? He said, don't even let it be named among you. The New International Version says, not even a hint of sexual immorality. Shouldn't even be around us. Shouldn't even be mentioned. So what would that mean? Well, it means you're going to have to quit playing doctor. And you're going to have to quit playing house. And you're going to have to quit playing show and tell unless you're married. How about this? If he said, let no hint be among you, if the computer is the thing that's causing you to get into sexual sin, maybe I ought to get off the computer. How about my phone? Does my phone cause me to get into temptation that I don't want to get near? I'm going to give you some other analogies. Quit subscribing to Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue if that's a temptation. Quit watching 50 shades of gray or even one shade of gray, okay? 
Get rid of it. Well, pastor, I can't do that. Well, then stay in sin. Quit going to the gym. If you go to the gym just to be on lust patrol, better said the booty inspector. Sit there and go to the gym and you drool. Well, pastor, I love to eat at Hooters because the food's so good. You're a liar, okay? All right, I'm going to take my wife to Hooters because it's so good. You know what you're doing while you're eating at Hooters? You're getting into mental adultery again, okay? So I look at that, and I why do I even go to that stuff again? These are things that I think is a huge warning for us. Get away, flee, flee, flee. The Greek word for sexual immorality is a word spelled P-O-R-N-E-I-A, porneia. It's the word we get our word porn from. The word porn means sexual immorality against anything that causes sexual arousal with me outside of the marriage covenant. So you begin to look at this again. Run, Forrest, run. Think about a fireman. When a fireman comes and tells you your house is on fire, he says, hey, take your time, no worries. Go back in there and get everything you want. The roof's falling in, but it's okay. No, he's saying flee, flee, flee. This is what we must learn to do, even in sexual immorality in any way. The good news is this. Hebrews 13, 4 says the marriage, is, the marriage bed is undefiled. If you're married, high-five each other right now. Thank you. So what did I just tell you? In God's eyes, anything outside of the marriage covenant is spelled S-I-N. You can try to dice it. You can try to cube it. You can look at it any way you want. That's in God's eyes. Now listen. I didn't set up the rules. I didn't write the book. God did. So in my own life, I'm going to play by that. I'm going to look and say, okay, Father God, you created mankind. You created the marriage covenant. And you specifically said marriage was between a man and a woman. And they'd be totally and freely committed to life as companions and friends forever. Now I realize in our society right now, that stuff's not real popular. But again, we're not trying to win a popularity opinion today. We're either going to live by the truth of the word of God or we'll live by the standards of the world. Well, pastor, you've been married forever, haven't you? Well, just about. I've been married a long time. And I don't say this with great honor, but before I got married, I was a fornicator, okay? And I look back on that and I've repented from it and told God, I ask you to forgive me. And so again, I understand what it looks like to live in, in sexual sin. And so even in my own life right now, I put huge boundaries around me. I don't go to the movie very often. You know why? Because it's usually got some scenes that aren't very good. And I, uh, I focus and I process like most men. Men fall in love with their eyes. Women fall in love with their ears. And so again... God has set me free from something that I don't want to get back into. You've heard me say this. When I go to the mall and I walk by Victoria's Secret, 
If this is Victoria's Secret, pastor's eyes are on this store, not that store. And you know what people will say? Well, it's only a picture. Yeah, it's only a picture of a girl showing me half her little rumpus. Sorry if that bothers you, okay? That's in the, rumpus is in the Greek, okay? Why am I telling you that? I got a flesh too, I'm not exempt from this. And we go back to King David. Again, we live in a sexually saturated society and everything points to it and says it's okay. But God didn't say it was okay. And so here's the deal. We're either going to live by what God says and when I do, my life is blessed, blessed, blessed. But there's consequences when I don't. Now go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 59. Well, Pastor, you're preaching really good today. Let me just tell you this right now. This stuff isn't easy to preach on, all right? I played tug-of-war with God with this stuff. Because, again, I don't want to offend anybody. And the Lord said, you're not offending anybody. I told you, preach the word. Tell people the truth. And so, again, what you do with it is up to you. But I do, I want you to understand this Totally and completely that. I don't want any of you to get to heaven or not to get to heaven. And you look at me and say, you little rat. Why didn't you tell us the truth? Why didn't you have the guts to tell us the truth? And so again, the tug of war. I don't know if you've ever had God wake you up at night. This happened two times last week. And I tugged with God and said, oh God, I don't want to teach on those things. Let me teach on something they laugh about. Because every bit of this, this hits every one of us. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. This is how our society is. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not short nor weak, that it cannot save. Nor is his ear heavy or dull, that it cannot hear. So again, God wants to save. God wants to hear. Verse 2. But your iniquities, your sins, have separated you from your God. So he tells me right here, because of my sins, there's a separation. And your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. And so I don't want to play around with sin. Now I encourage you to read all this passage, but for time's sake, I'm going to jump to verse number 9. Therefore, justice or what is right is far from us. Nor does righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but there is no darkness. For brightness, but we walk in blackness or gloom. We grope for the wall like blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as at twilight. We are dead men in a desolate places. We're spiritually dead, is what that's talking about. We all growl like bears and we moan sadly like the doves. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it's far from us. For our transgressions, our sins are multiplied or piled up before you. And our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us. And as for iniquities, we know them. In transgression and lying against the Lord and departing from our God. 
Wow. We speak oppressions and revolt. We conceive and utter from the heart the words of falsehood. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands afar off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity or uprightness cannot enter. So truth fails. But he who departs or shuns from evil makes or becomes himself a prey. You know what he says? There'll be ones that will respond to the truth. And understand, when you live for the truth of the word of God, there will be opposition. But I don't know about you, I want to live for God. I want to live by the word of God. I want to live by the truths of God. And so now all I can do is go back and say, all right, Lord, what in my heart is wrong? I'm going to quote one more verse for you. This is Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers up his sin will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will. The word confession means to renounce them. To ask for forgiveness. See, oftentimes we do that, but it's interesting there in Proverbs 28, 13, he said, but he who also forsakes them. You know what that means? Lord, help me to get them out of my life. Help me to pull up the roots that aren't good, that aren't of you. And I believe God will touch our hearts. God will move back in our lives. But this thought to think, I'm going to go through my whole life this certain way, And it's not good. Something happens when we live by God's word. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.